Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. This is your host, Boog Mistress's spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen, JP, Jennifer, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you here. And I'm thrilled to have today's guest, but somehow there is um, something odd at work as I was with the, with the um, I don't know, with the atmosphere, with communications, somehow. The uh, system here at Blog Talk Radio, my virtual studio, just dropped me out and dropped uh, my guest out as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a little music while I get her back online, okay? And you guys are going to have so much fun. So um, lots of people are excited about this show. So I'm going to play something by my friend Bruce Sedano. It's a song he wrote, I think, for or with his wife called Bad Girls. You say I'm out on the street at night Picking up all kinds of strangers Price is right You can't score if your pocket's tight Do you want a good time? You ask yourself Who they are Like anybody else they come from near and far Bad girls Talking about the sad girls Sad, 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 sad girls Talking about the bad girls Now it's Friday night And the strip is hot Sun gone down And they're out to try Legs look hot Do you want to get down? You ask yourself Who they are Like everybody else They want to be a star Bad girl Talking about the sad girl Sad, sad girls Talking about the bad girls She finds out 
and a girl been out at night. You ask yourself who they are. Like everybody else, they come from near far. Bad girls, bad girls, talking about the bad girls, baby. Bad girls, sad girls, talking about the bad girls. Your mama won't like it. No, no, no. Your mama won't like it. No, no. Bad girls, sad girls, talking about the bad girls. That was uh, Bruce Sudano, and uh, you know he wrote and performed a lot of songs, including that one with his uh, with his late wife Donna Summer. And he's been on here a couple of times, and has a new CD, so we'll definitely want to hear uh, from Bruce again. He's going to be here again soon. I'm sure he will be. So today's guest, we're doing an early show today. Got a very very special. All my guests are special, but this is somebody that everybody's asking me about and calling in. And I've had a little technical trouble here, so what I'm going to do is try to call this guest and bring her in. So bear with me. Now, I can't uh, – I'm going to give you the number. I just got to dial it in. We're sorry. Your call did not go through. Will you please try your call? Well, there we go. <laughs> I don't know what happened. There is some conspiracy, it seems, against me having this particular guest on the air. So, I am going to try once again, um, or maybe I'll just talk and, uh, yeah, get her to call back in. And so, I'll go ahead and tell you, today's guest, actor and activist Park Overall, and apparently, She's not just my favorite or Becky's favorite who introduced, uh, who first suggested this. She's everybody's favorite, and she's going to be here in just a few minutes if she forgives me and my bad bad technical system here for dropping her. So what's going on? Uh, Recently, well, um, somebody asked me again about the uh, Franny Goldie magic pants, and all you have to do is just uh, go to Franny Goldie, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E dot com, order the magic pants, or anything you want, and put in M-P-S, that's the initials of Madam Perry's Salon, as your discount code, and you'll get a 10% discount, I believe, that's pretty good. And also, not only are you getting some fabulous pants that you've seen in Oprah and on The View and so forth, the magic pants, you're also uh, getting pants from the lady who wrote some of your favorite songs like Night Shift, Stick With You, Dreaming by Selena. And let's see, who else has been on recently that's got things going? A couple of weeks ago, we had D.C. Glenn, D.C. the Brain Supreme from Tag Team. And you may know him from, uh, let's see, 
you may know him from um, Whoop, There It Is, or the, what do you call it, uh, the, the Geico commercial, the Geico commercial. Uh, so <laughs> at the end he goes, sprinkles. But if you missed that show, please, please download it. It's still available pretty much everywhere. And let me tell you, uh, he had a lot of information for actually for anybody, but especially for artists. He was very, very generous with the information he had. And I just don't think anybody could. And in fact, one person I know has, I think, already taken that that advice and got himself uh, with a film company. I'm not going to say because we've got a big announcement to make for him. It's somebody that's been on the show before. But, uh, so, yeah, D.C. has great advice, great information for anybody trying to get into uh, business as an act, artist, uh, musician, in any kind of way, any creative or any kind of work, business work. This man's a go-getter. He went. He got it. Uh, and let's see. Oh, Arden Marine. Arden Marine. Get her book. She was here. Uh, you may know her from Mad TV or you may know her from insatiable where she plays regina sinclair door arden marine uh her book it's been out for a couple of months now it's called little miss little compton it's her memoir about growing up in a town called little compton rhode island and it's a fantastic book it's funny but it's also very very touching and also she gives good advice about getting getting success in, in show business or any kind of business that you want to do. So I would definitely take advice from her as well as D.C. And let's see. Yeah, that's good news. Uh, Arden Marine, so look it up, A-R-D-E-N-M-Y-R-I-N, Arden Marine, and get that book, Little Miss Little, Little, Miss, Little Compton, also another very funny woman that was on, and her pastel has a new book. It's called Welcome to the United States of Anxiety, and that is the magnificent Jen Lancaster. Uh, if you've never read a Jen Lancaster book, I don't know why, because I fell in love with her from her first book, just from the title, Bitter is the New Black. And I think that came out in the uh, maybe 15, 16 years ago. I just know that it really encompassed a lot of things that she was going through, um, and I and other people eventually. But she was living the high life, fancy apartment, uh, fancy cars, living good, and then lost her job, and everything started going straight to hell. <laughs> So uh, then she had to start back up from the bottom, her and her uh, boyfriend. And the things that she did, she began blogging about all the stuff going on. And that is how she came to write this book. And it's just, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's, it's serious stuff, but it will it will get to your heart and make you laugh. And it is funny, and um, and you'll just love her like I do, like everybody does. Let's see, that was Bitter as the New Black, Bright Lights, Big Ass, 
um, oh, the, and the subtitle to Bitters and New Black is not is is a warning about do not go to the unemployment office with your product purse. Okay, and let's see. Okay, so our guest tonight. Um, Finally, finally, finally got cleared up with my bad, uh, I don't know, got some kind of bad juju going on my, uh, she's here. Uh, she's an actress, activist, very smart woman, uh, former um, U.S. Senate candidate, and I am absolutely thrilled to have her here in the genie bottle, the much, I hope she knows how loved she is, Park Overall. Yeah. Park, Welcome. Thank you for having me. We we've got a big storm. You reckon it was me or was it on your end? Well, I don't I don't know. No, we've got storms coming this way. Usually with me it's either a storm or one of my dogs under the desk unplugged me, but it wasn't the dog this time. She was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't allow the boy dog underneath the bed. She's a she's a true corgi female. She's the boss. I love the corgi. I've never had one, but I love the corgi. <laughs> oh, thank you. They're, they're bossy, but they're good. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for bearing with all of my, my technical troubles. I'm so grateful to you. Uh, so delighted to have you here. And you know how many people have been begging me and after me to have you on the show, how loved you are. No, I have no idea, and I'm honored and flattered. Very much so, and that's not a corgi, that's a chihuahua, <laughs> and and it's hopeless. I I ruined it, but it would have happened to anyone. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it calls the shots, and it would fit in a teacup when it came in here, and it was calling the shots, and I went along with it for far too long, <laughs> so I apologize. But I'm honored that people wanted you to talk to me. I'm very, very, very honored. Well, I'm thrilled to that you to have you on here. Now, uh, in case you missed the first part, it's Madam Perry Salon, and as I used to say when I began the podcast, the podcast was more celebrities than the inauguration. But we've had <laughs> an inauguration since then that did have celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have had more. So. Uh, so that gives you an idea which way this genie bottle leaves, leans, right? Uh, anyway, well, I'm not sure what you do. You do fashion as well? No, 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 no. Now, I did. I was talking about the pants. Franny Goldie is a uh, singer-songwriter. She wrote all these songs like uh, Night Shift for the Commodores, Stick With You for the Pussycat Dolls, Dreaming for Selena. Uh, very well-known, uh, very respected and award-winning songwriter. But... Uh, she began a clothing business. It's Franny Goldie, and uh, Adam Glassman, who's the uh, style director of O, the Oprah magazine, started just became enamored of these pants she's designed called the uh, he calls them magic pants. They're very stretchy, very comfortable and cute. And he began taking them on TV shows and showing them on Oprah without her paying for it. So she came on the show. Her her publicist contacted me, had her on the show. And so anybody on the show that mentions MPS or Madame Perry Salon, when they check out, gets a discount. Oh, how cool. Oh, that's cool. And I go back to the Commodores, but I do know who the Pussycat Dolls are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are some chicks that work out. <laughs> 
didn't one of them used to be on American Idol or something? Oh, I don't know. Now, the one who seems to have come out the most famous is Nicole Scherzinger. Is she a real beautiful black girl? No, no, no. She's white but with black hair. And I don't know. Are you thinking of Paula Abdul? No, she's short. This girl's tall and lanky. I thought she was a pussycat doll. I'm pretty sure she was, but it doesn't matter. I, I'm from another generation, so you just have to bear with me. Listen, after the after the Beatles and uh, Todd Rundgren, I don't know all the names of all the musicians in a band anymore. There you go. A whole bunch of you better wear a name tag. Okay. There you go. There you go. One time I was on the Carson show. And it was, I forget the name of that band. Um, They were Foreigner, I think is who they were. And I went by the dressing room, and there were all these beautiful women in there. I mean, beautiful. And I said, hello, rock girls. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I hear, and this gorgeous woman is standing in the door, and she said, rock wives, and there's a difference. Oh, I like to die. Oh, she was darling. (laughs) (laughs) And so she was one of foreigners' wives. Okay. I loved it. I just loved it. You know, some of those gals, uh, Athena Bass has been on the show. Now, her brother's Tommy Lee, but she was married to somebody, a drummer for um, Warrant. I think his name is... uh, Whatever, and I've had a few of these gals, and they're hilarious. They had a TV show called Ex Wives of Rock, and these women are funny. Oh, People I never heard of that. Me. That that would have been sort of interesting to me. I oh, didn't yeah, hear of that. We'll have to. I'll have to send you uh, a link to it. So, and when people start asking me about the, the, some of the musicians, all of a sudden, I became, my show became popular with '80s guys from the hair bands. And people will say, "Well, what band? What this? What that?" No, look, I don't know. And don't get mad, but I'm a southern woman. So in the 80s, I wasn't that big into the hair bands. Any guy that could get bigger hair, get their eyeliner on better, and wear tight pants better than me, I want nothing it's to do with It's suspect. No, it's very suspect. I agree. I agree. I agree. I still can't get my I, eyeliner wrong without a, with, a, with a little wing just right. I go, it's like yeah, I can't either. I never could. I never could. I get this side, that side, and then suddenly I'm Amy Winehouse, and that's when I stop and go out. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to have met her. I would have loved oh, it. Gosh. Me too. What a complicated, what a complicated soul. But anyway, you're Southern. Where from? Atlanta. I was born and raised in Atlanta. Oh, Georgia. Atlanta girl. Okay, yes. Now, I was on a plane. I have a lot of airplane stories because it's my only phobia. It's the only thing that I'm afraid of. And uh, I was very, very, very drunk. And you get to, because I have to be to get on the plane. So Mm -hmm. I'm sitting by the best-looking man. Oh, my goodness. And he's from Buckhead. We're going into Atlanta. And... uh, He's just fascinated with me, and I'm trying so hard to get my words out right and pretend I'm not drunk. And he had a daughter that he wanted me to talk to about not quitting college. 
So I took his card and I washed it in my jeans and the number faded away. But I remembered the number where he worked, called I remembered the name of the company, called the company and the girl said, Ma'am, we had seven thousand people in the air yesterday. So I there there went Buckhead for me, baby. <laughs> That's a true story. Oh yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. I want to talk about uh, and for everybody that's excited and listening, I told people yes, you can call and there is somebody waiting um, here to, to talk to you. But uh, yes, you can call. That's okay with you, isn't? I should have asked you first if people oh, call in. Oh, of course. Uh, that's what I thought. And, Absolutely. Uh, the number is uh, 646-716-9922. It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. And also for people who, and I've been here, and maybe you have too, Park, for people who are at maybe a job or situation where they can't make a phone call, you can always message your question into me on Facebook on either Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Modette Perry. I'll be happy to share it with Park. So I'm going to talk about, let's see, you're from Tennessee. And an actor, you have got a wide range of, of movies you've done, uh, television shows. Of course, everybody knows Empty Nest. And as soon as I first posted you were going to be on, somebody on Facebook posted a, a, a clip of you from Empty Nest with uh, <laughs> the author. Oh. <laughs> Am I allowed to cuss on this? Cuss all you want. Okay. That's one of my favorite Hollywood stories. They let me roller skate on the lot. I'm a very high-strung person. And to keep me happy, they let me roller skate. So I roller skated all day, back and forth, back and around. And it was Renmar Lot, which is a lovely little lot, tiny little lot in Hollywood. And the Golden Girls were there. And one day, B gets out of her car, and B was always barefoot, always. And I skate up to B. She always was, always. And I skate up to B, and I said, B, because it was big as the Bible. She had a book, big as the Bible. I said, B, what are you reading? And uh, she just looked at me with that scowl that she had. And I said, <laughs> I'm reading some John Le Carre. And uh-huh. she said, honey, I like a lot of fucking and sucking and walked off. That's a true story. That is a true story, and I nearly fell off my skates. I liked to die. I really did. <laughs> you know, I'm Southern, too, so back in the day, that shit shocked me, you know. Um, I tried to move away from the mic when I snorted in my laugh. <laughs> That's a funny story. <laughs> That's a true story. Mm-hmm. Some person, okay, I got somebody here that's been waiting for a while to talk to you, so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, and, and, okay. Uh, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon, and please come on in and say hello to Park Overall. Hello, Madam Perry. Hello, Park. It's Marilyn Opus. Hey, Marilyn. How you doing? Uh, hello, Marilyn. I'm, I'm doing great. I wanted to had to join this party. It's just uh, just. Dying laughing over here. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Speak I wanted on. to say the person you were, try- were trying to think of was one of the Spice Girls that was one of the judges. 
that's the tall one you were thinking about. Oh, thank you. Earlier. Thank you. Yes, that, she's one of the Space Girls. That was before the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, <laughs> so, I see. Thank you. Okay. Another girl group. Right. So I, I had to call in to, to tell you that. Cause I, <laughs> so but, um, what was that girl's think, name that was the judge that was so pretty? You know, I, can't th- I can't think of her name either, but she was known as Scary Spice because each one of the Spice Girls had a different okay. name. Okay, all right, And she all became right. one of the judges on that show. But I can't think of her name offhand, but I um, but I know she was involved with Eddie Murphy at some point. <laughs> really? Yeah, they had a baby yeah. thing. Now, yeah, we were hanging out the window place. at the Beacon Hotel watching them uh-huh. come and go to the Beacon oh, Theater. Wow. And there oh, okay. was Eddie Murphy. And we're okay, up on yes, the second floor, so we're hanging uh-huh. out watching. And uh-huh. uh, um, we just watched, me and my roommate, uh-huh. and a, uh-huh. a, a beggar to him and asked uh-huh. for some money. And he wouldn't give uh-huh. him any. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh-huh. I thought. <laughs> 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 well, I've been a fan of yours for ever since I first saw you on TV, which has had to have been sometime in the 80s or 70s, late 70s. It'd be 80s, yeah, yeah, okay. 80s. I, I, you always reminded me of a long-lost member of my family. <laughs> because my mom is from the South, and you look like you could have been my mom's an only child, but you always look like you could have been my mom's sister. And I was young in in high school, and I always felt like, well, she's like, like you, if you'd be like a sister, you know, like an aunt. I felt like whenever I saw you, you just reminded me of family. You know? you, would, you would be surprised how many people say to me, "I have a friend who just loves you. Her voice is just like yours." Yes. Well, your voice. So I get the voice like, thing too. Yes. 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 The, yes. Just hearing your voice. Takes me yes, back. Yes, yes, yes. And it, but it just so as soon as I heard that, you saw that when Jennifer was posting that you were going to be on, I said, "Oh my God, I have, I just hadn't thought of you in a long time, and I wonder what you were up to, and and I just wanted to, you know, you you made TV a lot of fun, you know. Well, thank <laughs> you, and I'm glad we get to touch base all these years later. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. I, uh, I can't wait to hear what you're doing now and what you're up to. And it, this is such a thrill that they'll talk with you and, and that Jennifer has this great forum here, you know, that we can, you know, be connected. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so out of the mainstream now that I said to Jennifer, I said, what, who, what are you, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I get a lot of boys calling up here asking me to do podcasts. And oh, okay. some of them I won't do anymore because they want to do it in the mornings. Mm. And I don't do anything in the mornings, let alone talk. <laughs> so she was gracious enough to let me do it of the afternoon. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I but I'm, that story with the author was the funniest. That, that made my day. <laughs> that that's the truth. I, I, I'm telling you, it near, I nearly fell down. Because, oh, you know, I was... I was Southern and naive at a time myself, you know, mm-hmm. and it like mm-hmm. to, it just blew my mind. And another time, mm-hmm. she came up to me, and she grabbed a hold of my arm, and I'm skating, oh. and she stops me, and she's a digging in. Oh, 
I mean, she's Ooh. got a grip on me. She's got the death grip on me. And she looks at me. Now, it was camera day, which means all over the studio, anybody that has a TV can see the rehearsal uh-huh. of what's going on on your show, on their show, on anybody's show that was on the lot. Uh-huh. It's camera day. So she grabs a hold of me, and she digs in, and she says, she looks me dead in the eye, and she says, what are you? And I, I, I said, what? What, me? What? And she said, Christy McNichol is chewing gum. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and I, I, I B, I, I, I'll mention it, the disrespect. Now, B, I'll, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And I Gave it off and told Christy what had happened. And you know, another one like that is the great actress Grace Zabriskie. She leaned over the desk and said to, who's that blonde? It was on the newsroom. The news, uh, the newsroom. Who? Oh, wait, you were talking about a TV newsroom? Jeff, Jeff Daniel. Jeff Daniels, oh. she stood up in her audition, leaned over the table. Grace Zabriskie did and said to Jeff Daniels, lose the gum. Oh. So now when you get a serious actress, you oh, yeah. to all you young actresses out there, never, ever chew gum because you don't know. Mm-hmm. And when you find an actress that don't put up with it, now they don't put up with it, period. Mm. So. That's another B yeah. story for you. <laughs> you know, Billy, Billy Vera, who was, uh, well, mostly known from the movie uh, Buckaroo Bonsai, but he had the song, "What uh, In This Moment, What Would You Think I Would Do At This oh, Moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And from the, when from he was on, he said his parents, yeah, his parents were in showbiz. His, his, uh, they did, uh, they sang on TV, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, and dad did voiceover and his dad told him when he started doing voiceover he said my dad gave me these instructions be early be prepared and don't make suggestions and that's right he's right he's absolutely right unless the suggestions are asked for that's right (laughs) and always be early and richard mulligan to to go back to the past He set such a tone. That's the most professional show I've ever been on because he was always 15 minutes early. He always was prepared. He was a perfect gentleman, and he was the best first job I could have had in my life because it prepared me to understand what professionalism really was. He was the embodiment. And those ladies, too, by the way. Of the Golden Girls, that too. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. What was Betty White like? Did you ever meet Betty White? She's just perfect. Uh huh. I know B didn't like her at all. I thought I keep hearing. Yo, no, she really, really didn't like her. I don't know what happened or why. Probably because Betty was perfect, mm-hmm. and Betty is. She's beautiful. She's professional. She's well dressed, she loves dogs. There's nothing wrong with Betty. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, that's the only reason I could think B might not have liked her. Mm. <laughs> you know, 
Maybe it was her reading material. That was it. Maybe she just didn't share books. But Maybe she didn't like the fucking and sucking. That's true. <laughs> I mean, we'll never know. But uh-uh. unless Betty spills, we'll never know. And I'm not going to ask. But um, well, listen now. Well, um, uh, what did you? Did you just? I mean, when you were growing up in Tennessee, and of course your parents, I've heard that your parents were intellectuals and uh, Democrats. Mother was. Mother was. Oh, intellectual and. Uh, well, Daddy was n- not. He just wasn't like she was. She mm-hmm. went to Vanderbilt. She went to Randolph Macon. She was one of those people that loved to learn, and that takes mm-hmm. a specific kind of person. I know you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. She was a learner and a teacher, and father was a jack-of-all-trades. He he was a lawyer and a judge, but he was a, a magistrate, but he was not as interested in uh, learning as my mother. So mother was the intellectual. So, But they were both very smart people. And, yeah, um, in my opinion, yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. raised you, you know, well, and apparently raised you without um, without prejudice against different people. So at what age or time did you tell them? Did they know that you were going to go off to, what, to L.A. or New York? And, and Let's see, I was 28. I started very late, and Daddy said he would send me to New York, but if I didn't make it in two years, I had to come home. Ah. And I made it. That was a so. good plan. That's a good plan. It was a good. I thought it was a great plan. And in retrospect, uh-huh. it was it was perfect. And uh-huh. my parents were extraordinarily bright in terms of liberalism. We were uh-huh. big Democrats, big liberals in a very conservative area, which I think must have added to my rather acid look on life and my rather big mouth. When you're surrounded by a bunch of ignorant Bible thumpers, it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> and I know you girls know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And it, oh, yeah. I can tell you do. And I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying it was hard. Mm-hmm. And it may, it hardened me. You understand? Because it's hard to put up with that stuff for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you weren't raised in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you always have good comic timing? Comic timing. Apparently. Or, apparently. You were but always, I was unaware of it because I didn't know what that was. You see. You always had such good timing on the shows. You know. Yes, that Excellent. that was a, a a real that that was a real blessing to find that talent, and they wrote for me really well. I thought. Not at the time, but now in retrospect, mm-hmm. they really did write for my Southern rhythm. And mm-hmm. that's what's wrong with all these Southern actresses. If I see a bad Southern accent, I'm, I'm out. I change the channel. I am. I don't put up with it. I don't put up with it. And what started it, one day I turned to my daddy. There was a girl on the TV, and she was a big, pretty big TV star. And I said, Daddy, I can't stand it. And he said, I agree with you. He said, I'll, I'll send you for two years. Well, I ran into her 20 years later at an audition. I didn't recognize her. And we I didn't tell her that it was her. I just flattered her on her work, and we had the best 
conversation. She was the most interesting, kind woman. And it, it really brought it all full circle, you know. And we were at a very bad audition, and she looked at me and said, do you want to do this anymore? And I said, that is a very good question you ask. It was It was a really... It was a it was a full circle moment in my life. It really was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> That's amazing. You know, speaking of the southern accent, because that yeah, people those of us who who know it and know that there's different kinds. Like you've like I've heard you say um, in interviews, maybe with uh, uh, Johnny Carson. You know, there's people people talk of Virginia or different parts of Tennessee or Appalachia. You know, depending on what groups came over from, from Europe, the Scottish or whoever, and settled, you know, has an influence on it. But I always hated, um, you know, how they always, the, the the poor, the poor versions of Southern accents. And I remember Oh, God. It's, 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 only to watch, me, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Oy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I could only watch a few minutes of this show. Um, you may have heard me talk about this, Marilyn, but there was a TV show, TV movie about the murder of... John Lennon, and the guy, and I don't know, it may have been Jared Leto that played uh, oh, Mark yes, David yes, Chapman. Yes. Jared Leto, yes. Jared, Jared okay. Leto and what, what, wasn't he from Kansas or something? That I boy? So. What? Oh, Mark David Chapman? Yeah. No, yeah. he grew up in my neighborhood. But who's so Mark David Chapman? <laughs> I don't know who is Mark John David Lennon. Leto had to do that southern accent. And was Chapman the killer? Chapman was the yes. killer. Ah, yes. okay, now I'm with you. Okay, so well, here's the deal. Yes. I remember that, yeah. Okay, so I watched, I think, just a few minutes, and it's Jared Leto. He's playing Mark David Chapman, and he's reading some words to the song Imagine. And it's, uh, imagine there's no heaven, easy if you try, no imagine, uh, no possessions. And, our, uh, and then he goes, that's easy for you, motherfucker, because you, know, you got money. And then I remember stopping and thought, okay, that's it, because... I never hung around Mark David Chapman, but he was in Boy Scouts with my brother. He worked with my dad. His dad worked with my dad at one time. My mother remembered the whole family from Scouts. And I can tell you right now, if you grew up, if Mark David Chapman had grown up in that neighborhood of Gresham Park like he did and tried to talk like a, I don't know, 1800s riverboat gambler the way Jared Leto did, he would not have lived <laughs> long enough. He would not have lived long enough to kill John Lennon or anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Because that's the kind of neighborhood it was. Well, listen, uh, here's what I have to say to you because I'm a great humanitarian. What will become of Mr. Chapman when his mama dies if she hasn't already? Who will look after him? That's a good question. You know, because his daddy died, and he was sent home to his mama. He escaped from his mama, and he was trying to buy guns or reading a violent magazine at a store or something. Whatever. He broke parole, and that made the news. And I thought, and his mama's old, if not dead, and I thought, who will he have to watch his mental illness because obviously they have it under control now with meds, but who will be there to administer the meds? That's always bothered me because that's, he's a murderer. A he's a murderer, and he, he he was out of his head. And I, I yeah. understand the law, and I understand he was out of his head, mm-hmm. and I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But he needs 
we need to know if he's in good hands. Exactly. Exactly. Well, if he's still married, you know, if he's still married, he should be. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was married either. I didn't know he was married either. Okay, so then there is someone to care for him. Good. That's what I want to know. As long as there's somebody there. Yeah. Good. My mother told me that his mother had cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy. Back even back when in the seventies, so I don't know how long or how well she's doing. As long as he's married. Well, but for me, girls, it, to me, it seems like Lennon was killed yesterday in one half of my life, in the other half, it was two hundred and fifty years ago. So, time yeah. it, time to artists, musicians, and actors—they really have a hard time with time. Mm-hmm. We have no sense of time, so. You know, I, I forget what year he did that, but it seems like a long time ago. It also seems like yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thing I want to go back to, uh, this is back in time. This Not that far back, but, um, okay, so when you went to New York, one of the first things you were in, off-Broadway play about Andy Warhol and Edie Sedgwick, <laughs> and then you were in the Neil Simon play Biloxi Blues. Um <laughs> The, the Warhol. How'd you people. know about how'd you know about that first play? Honey, I listen, all, everybody says I'm sneaky. I know all and I know they're just trying to flatter me, but I know all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, what's interesting is that's what started my career because there was an agent, he passed of AIDS, that was the most colorful man I've ever known. He was a product of his mother and his he was a product of his sister and his father, yes, and his name was Michael Kingman. He went to being one of the top five agents in New York in, a, in probably under a year, and he had great clients. I was one of them, and he picked me up at that play, that Edie Sedgwick play, yes, because he was out doing his job. He was out going off off-Broadway yeah. and came to our play. And asked me to come visit him, and when he died of AIDS, it just killed me because Aww. he was there was not there's not another one like that. Mm-hmm. He wore a a flannel shirt, a silk tie, and a Mets ball cap. Oh, <laughs> he was a mess. <clears throat> and uh, well, he I was. I don't want to tie up the line. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'll still be listening, but I just wanted to just say hi and hi and, baby, and, and, bye baby. Thank you. All thank right. you so much for all that you're doing, both of you. Thank so, you. Bye. Thank you, Marilyn. All right. Love you. Bye. So yeah, I, that's how my career start was because of Michael Kingman. Mm. And he was great. He, uh, the boys, he had all these boys, Michael Kingman's boys, and they would hang out in the office and play. They'd, they'd shoot a Smurf ball into a basketball <laughs> goal in his office, which was like at a hundred Broadway or something like that, and I just that was those were that was the days of my youth. He had Stephen Baldwin. He had a, he had a bunch of boys, a bunch of boys. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and wow. uh, he up and died on us. Yep. Oh, that sounds like anyway, fortuitous meeting like it was meant to be. Uh, it, it really was, and uh, I missed him. I missed him a lot. He was he was a trip. Now Michael Kingman was a trip. Oh mm-hmm. boy, 
Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like another good book. Uh, so I'm so glad to know that Richard Mulligan was as nice as I thought he was or had to be. Remarkable, want, remarkable about, man. Working with on the Reba show with Reba McIntyre. Well, that was interesting because um, Reba's a, a, a singer, so the acting thing was very new to her. Mm-hmm. So, but she and I had chemistry that beat the band. Now, mm-hmm. by God, I was a great foil for her. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think Reba recognized that because Reba is not an actor. Reba is a musician. So I don't think she understood how great we were together, and we were. And she wouldn't pay me, and that's why I didn't stay. Oh, that's never good. Well, it, it, I could have taken it and, you know, enjoyed it, but she was really lowballing me, and I don't care to tell that on her. She's big Republican. Okay. You know. Okay. Well, let's, okay, well, let's see. Being Southern, I'm going to say something nice. Maybe it's because of all those years that she was in rodeo. Maybe she, you know, fell Hit her head or something. I just think that they're, they're, she and Narvel, if they're still together, were they're just not. very Republican and very Nashville, uh-huh. uh, very in that way. And that's fine. I'm not complaining about Reba. I enjoyed Reba very much. I enjoyed everyone on the show. The reason I'm not there more than I am is simply because she wouldn't pay me. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's okay, why. All right, we'll move and, on. And, and I enjoyed every bit of it. I enjoyed talking to her every day. I enjoyed being there every day. I liked it. I uh, just had to have more money than that. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's, uh, that's the way it is. A girl's got to turn her that's just That's just the way it is, and that would have been it for anybody. But yeah, they sure. might not have told it. The difference in me and them is I'm going to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you know you've done uh, you've done voiceover as Alice Tompkins, Tompkins in the animated series The Critic, um, Lifetime dramas Fifteen and Pregnant, uh, TV shows you've done uh, been on The Young Writers, uh, Golden Girls. That was fun. Uh, that film. was a lot of fun. That was Tainted, Biloxi Blues, Mississippi Burning, Vibes Talk, all kinds of stuff you've done. But then somewhere you seem to move out of. Uh, uh, Seem to move from showbiz to uh, just people biz, environmental activism, and women's rights activism, and you were also a, a Senate can- U.S. Senate candidate. Yes, they just caught me drunk one night, and I said oh. I'd do it. Well, so, darn. but I don't drink anymore, so that won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 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 um, that was even in the Washington Post. I told that boy, I said, he just caught me drunk, and I, that boy had no personality at all. And he went, oh. <laughs> I knew I had him. Got a great article in the Washington Post. Anyway, um, I uh, I was always interested in the environment. I just didn't realize how interested I was. Till the Pigeon River came up, and I'm not going to bore you or your listeners with the pigeon, but I will say this. I came, I asked all these news shows to help me with the Pigeon River, and Primetime Live said yes. So I had to fly home and meet with them, and I flew back to Los Angeles, 
And it was 3 in the morning, Los Angeles time. And my phone rang. And I answered. And I got, I know your name. I ain't going to give you my name. I want to know your business in this. Oh, God. And I said, okay, you give me 15 minutes and let me make some coffee and you call me back. And she did. And by God, her and the very famous Joan Robinette of Harlan, Kentucky fame, came down here and helped me. And we got that on Primetime Live. And we got that river clean by half. Oh, man. Another God-given thing. Another spiritual movement in the sky that pointed right at me and brought me and two women, strong Appalachian women, in here. And we got that river clean by half. Mm. By the way, I've just written letters here lately. That was 1995, and I'm still fighting on that river. I'm still writing letters today on that river and yeah. making calls and all of that. Yep. We did get it cleaned by half, though. Yeah. Gosh. Well, you know, that's um, – I was trying to say I don't know that area real well. But well, I you wouldn't. The only people that know this area real well are the industries, the Yankee industries that come down here and ruin it. And it's all but ruined, and I try to make the Appalachian understand how much trouble we're in. But people here believe an honest day's work is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And don't upset a man and his family's job. And I understand right. it. It's an Appalachian um, bonular, uh, hereditary nature thing. And so it's very hard to organize here and it's very hard to get the work done here. And if you don't do this kind of work, you don't understand it. And nobody does it except me and around here about five different women, six Mm -hmm. maybe. And it's heavy duty work. It takes you know, eight hours a day and total concentration. And it will burn you out real quick if you do yeah. it right. And uh, <laughs> But I will say this to you. Everybody takes my call. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know up until two years ago, um, I had lived in um, Mars Hill or Asheville, North Carolina. For about yeah, Mars Hill, husband, sure. Yeah, my husband was offered a job up in Asheville. So we were up there for 10 years and just came back two years ago to Atlanta. But I do know, you know, Pigeon River, I think, starts somewhere in North Carolina, Haywood County. And That's also, right. Um, then there's also, and it goes into the French Broad River. And I remember learning while I was there about um, what Duke Energy, maybe Progress Energy, and all the stuff that they would dump into the French Broad River and people getting sick, and di- you know, people in the hospital. And don't you miss don't you miss Asheville? No. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it's I mean it's it's a lovely place to visit and I met some lovely people there and there's some wonderful artsy people there, but you know, um none of us ever really know what we're getting, but I like to be in feeling a little bit more careful about my water and stuff and not feeling like I had to I understand completely. I understand that. I understand that. Yes, so I'm very driven by my environmental work, and i uh, that's what I enjoy doing most. I'd rather sit here all day, every day, and do that. 
And then occasionally I get burnt out and I have to step away from it and then I go back. And, and it's just a rhythm like that. That's what I do now. And I enjoy the work because I enjoy looking at the data, comparing the data, finding the data that the state and the EPA have missed. And I, I am a problem. I am a problem. And they have to address the paperwork. They have to deal with the paperwork. They have to – recently I got – there's a nitric – nitric acid plant that shouldn't be here. Don't know how it really got in here outside of corruption, and that'd be my local leaders. My point to you is, in reading the data, they were supposed to have a bioassessment done because there are endangered species in that river. Mm-hmm. And TDEC made them do a bioassessment every five years. Well, they didn't do it. So I got the bioassessment done. It's being done now. So what happens is when you follow the paperwork, these are the incongruous things you find. These are the mistakes you find. These mistakes could cost us nine endangered species. That matters to me. It may not matter to many other people, but it really matters to me. Mm-hmm. And you see, the EPA and TDEC, Tennessee Division of Environment and Conservation, they're not here to protect you and me. They're mm-hmm. here to protect industry. And I can prove that. So these are the things that matter to me. You and see. I understand. Um, and I think this is also from watching, um, from trying to read and uh, watching some of your interviews. So uh, TDAC was um, the only oversight was the EPA, which was which threw it back to them. Like uh, you know, you just oh, and when we did, we yourself. also I have a nuclear plant up here. It's um, the nuclear plant is called Nuclear Fuel Services. Its life expectancy was 30 years. It's been there for about 64 years. And it remember that the EPA didn't come into being till I believe 1979. So understand, <laughs> you, you see. And this place is the most renegade and well-known, legendary nuclear fuel plant in the nation, right? So what did we do? And this is what, when I tell your audience, this is what we do. I got the CDC up here. Linda got the state regional epidemiologist up here. We found that the cancer here is one-third higher than the rest of the state. The CDC tried to screw us, and we didn't let them. So they admit that there could be a pathway to humans. You reckon we drink from that river? You reckon? And we hired a scientist and found uranium-235, 6, and 9 in our drinking water and plutonium. So, and that went for 100 miles all the way to the French Broad. Yes, I'm Yes. So that's the kind of work we do. We mean business. Now, the media is not interested the papers aren't interested, so it's it's a thankless job, and uh, it is what it is, you know. 
it's it's thankless and nobody really cares. Our data is up on the Nuclear Regulatory Commission site now, but and they've got some of it wrong. But every day it's a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight. You see? Mm-hmm. And even though, and you know, and this is to me is is, is one of the saddest things about uh, situations and politics. What people are taught. Yes, I understand people need to work. I understand need to provide. But also, it also hurts me because I know from watching one of your interviews, you were talking about people, uh, a couple specific cases of people like someone who worked uh, in the plant. On that river, yes. and their daughter yes. was born without their uh, certain uh, women's organs. She was born organs. without a uterus or ovaries uterus. or any of that, and he and was the um, uh, the groundskeeper. Oh yeah, one of the sad things. And she, that. if we ever get to court, world enough in time, honey, that girl's tattooed from a to asshole and speaks like the Queen of England. Hmm. She's going to be an interesting case on the stand if we ever get there. She is one of the most wonderful human beings. And a voice like ringing bells. Just fascinating girls. Fascinating. And her daddy was fascinating, too. He's dead now. He lived a long time considering what he'd been through in all the years that the plant wasn't even monitored by the EPA, you see. So and even animals like the the what, frog. Um, yes, they they have a two-headed frog. They used to have a two-headed frog up there at the fish hatchery. It, it was in a jar of formaldehyde. Yes, it was. I saw the picture, but you know when you talk about. You know, I, you know I the whole. It funny, but it's serious. It's got. Is it's, that it's truth? It's, it's the truth. Indica- it's an indicator. It's just one indicator of how much else we should be afraid of and worried about and concerned about. And that's the thing, too, is when you see people who, whether it's misinformation or whatever, vote yes. against yes. their own interest and their own health. I am very, very, very concerned about it because... Tennessee, now you keep this in mind, is sort of the leader in nuclear everything, Oak Ridge, all of that. Tennessee used to be a democratic state from middle to west Tennessee. East Tennessee was always Republican, historically, always. Now the whole state is Republican, And the Republicans, Lamar Alexander, uh, Phil Rowe, our senators, you understand that those guys are pro-industry. Those guys are pro-nuke. So I don't know when Tennessee has Watts Bar and all these terrible places all down the rivers here, I don't understand what people think is going to happen if something goes wrong. For instance, Nuclear power, all that is, is a really nasty way to boil water. Well, with global warming, and you're using rivers to cool these nuclear plants, what happens when the rivers warm up? Then what are we going to do? 
I mean, there's just so many issues here. And the bottom line, which is simple for everyone to understand, is there is nowhere to put thy waste. There wasn't then, and there isn't now. So I don't know why everybody thinks this multi-billion dollar industry is a good thing, because they're going to find out. It's, it's your children and the grandchildren, they're going to find out. You know, and we're already finding out here 61 years later down from this little rattle trap. So, mm-hmm. And it does, you know, you, if you dump it in the river, it doesn't just disappear. It goes somewhere. Uh, it goes into, yeah, the fish that animals. For millions eat. of years. That's yeah, right. Well, exactly. And, and we right found there. it. We found it all the way up and down this river. And do you know how many little towns drink from this river? You know, there's a hundred miles of little towns along here. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the dog. Well, it's usually mine. Mine are just asleep. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I even have a PSA that I put in here. It's like a, a promo for the show that I play sometimes. And one of them is uh, a guy who sounds like Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian. And he talks about, and in this podcast, her dogs start barking while she's interviewing. So <laughs> it's very unusual for them to be quiet during this. Um, I even had a crime writer accuse me of ask, uh, really pointedly asked me if I was hurting a dog. Oh, and he goes, no, no, dear. we're going to stop this interview right now. I think I heard a dog being hurt. <laughs> no, no, this is Matt Phelps who does uh, shows on ID, you know, Investigation Discovery, and we let it go. And I said, no, you know, Park, you love. I've seen pictures of you with dogs. You love dogs. You know, they can be like little mafia. Mind you, they get just before a podcast and they go, hey, you got a real good guest on today. You're really excited about this guest. It'd be a shame if something happened and nobody could hear you. So, Tell me about it. I'm not allowed to talk on the phone. I'm not allowed to talk on the phone. I'm not allowed to have friends. I'm not allowed to go anywhere. I'm a hostage in my own dog home. I know. You feel like uh, 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 Blanche and uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> but you're all Blanche. You can't get out. But you're all Blanche. <laughs> you know who I like in Atlanta? Hmm. I never met her, but I like her on the news. Is Frederica Whitfield. Do you like her? Frederica? I don't think I know her. She's on CNN on the weekends. Oh. I like her. For me, she's very what we call in the business old shoe. I love her voice calms me. I dislike her very polite manner. I dislike her. Okay, now I see her picture. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's been on there forever. Yeah, CNN has some some good folks. that you enjoy, you feel like they're like they're pals, like they're comfortable in your living room when you. Yeah, walking. she's very comfortable. Yes, yes. Park for me, you, I like her. Do, I know you've been very generous with your time and to come on the podcast. And by the way, I must have I must have uh, misrepresented because, and that's not that unusual because the show is usually eight o'clock at night, not in the morning. So any but any time you want to come on, you name the time. I might have typed it wrong. You name the time, and it's there. We would love to have you back. But let me ask you this. What what else is going on? 
what what do you have planned for the future? I mean, uh, are we going to have a part overall podcast or maybe do? Where, I've where, been where thinking a lot Santa? about that. I've been thinking uh-huh. a lot about it. Mm-hmm. My problem is discipline, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to write the book. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do, and I've just enlisted a friend to help me because I can't stay focused because writing is very difficult, you know that, mm-hmm. and it's it requires a great deal of discipline. So I've taken notes, I've got index cards, I've got, I've got, I've got. Now I've got to shut up, sit down, and do it, you know. The part and that's where I'm at. Now, the part you're at now is like untangling a necklace. You've got that's the necklace right. there. That's right. That's where I'm at. Is it going to be an environmental story? Is it the story of my life, which is fairly interesting, apparently, to other people on some level? And is it a universal story? Is it this? Is it that? Is it? Do I lie a little? Do I tell the truth only? These kind of things. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And thank you for asking, by the way. It, oh, it brings some motivation to me. <laughs> well, I know you've got <laughs> other things you're thinking about. I mean, you don't have to tell me. It's not my business. Some things you know you're planning ahead and will release later. But uh, yeah, and what you tell is is your own biz. Uh, <laughs> I used I used to do um, uh, publicity for premieres for HBO documentaries, and. Uh, so sometimes what was that like? Was that was that interesting? Yeah, it was. They had hired a, a company in Atlanta because they were doing a lot of them around the southeast. And this woman met me and contracted me to do work on these. It's, I liked it because sometimes a lot of the people, uh, like if I set up a media tour, maybe some of the people, even if it was a film director or a writer or the subject of something, like um, the people like the alcoholism uh, uh documentary that made a big splash on Oprah and stuff. Some of these people weren't used to talking in front of a camera like an actor. And so it just uh, kind of happened, no matter what they've done. Oh, yeah, sure, so of course. Yeah. You can make them feel good. Make them comfortable. feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Going in and let them feel like, you know, they're, no, you know what you're doing. You know this. And get them ready ahead of time. I love that because then they kind of, um, that, that's what an interesting thing. job. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Well, that's my plan is to to work on the book. Mm-hmm. And there is a show in the works, but it is nothing official, and it's being marketed, and I won't jinx it. But I will say that there is a part in it for me were it to be picked up, were it to be all that stuff, and I have hope for that. And it's a comedy, but it would be an hour dramedy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a black comedy. I'm just not mm-hmm. going to say more because I won't jinx it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm superstitious. Well, stop, yeah, yeah, don't don't mess up the deal now. Um, yeah. We wanna, we wanna, no, I don't want anything bad to happen. I will. I'll let you know, though. I'll let you know. Because when I make predictions, 
on here and people come back and go, oh, my God, you were right. I did get a publisher. Oh, my God, you were right. I did win the award. How did you know? So I, <laughs> I want to keep it. I want to keep my record. I want to keep my record good, too, because the people uh, – I am so honored that you've asked me to be on your show and that <laughs> that you think people are interested. I just, I really am honored. It means a great do, deal to me, and I want you to stay in touch with me. Well, yes, and, then, and let me ask you one more thing. When you, when the book is done, whether, you know, when the other show is picked up a hand or when the book is done, let me ask you this. Are you going to, do you have any plans to... Um, you know, people will be able to tour with the book, but at least go to places like Book Expo America and places and maybe just come and do a, um, a talk, a live talk with for people at, at theaters, because I know you would sell out definitely in Atlanta, but there's a lot of places that would be thrilled just to buy a ticket and come and hear you talk. And well, see, I, I don't know that, but I'd love to. You know, I I would be delighted to do that. The, well, the book, if I can ever get the shape of it, you know, mm-hmm. if I can just, and I, like I said, I've hired a girl to help me. If mm-hmm. if we can get the shape of it, I know it'll flow, but I've got to get that shape. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, what do you call it when you make an outline? That's what we've got to do is make the outline to see where I'm going. I don't have a plot, so mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of book it'll be. But mm-hmm. my friends say to me, Parky, just write. It doesn't matter what the plot is. You just write it. Thanks. So I've done yeah. a lot of that. Now we got to see if we can put it together. Yes, mm-hmm. I'll come and speak. I'd love to. All right. Very good. Okay. <laughs> I want to say thank you so very much. And Stay in touch you... with me now. I mean it. All right? Well, you too, honey. And if we if you get out and get to traveling again and you're, and you're headed to Atlanta, let us all know. I will, um, and I'm going to put you in my date book right now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. Bye, baby. Yeah. Bye-bye. Goodbye. And let everybody come back next week. You never know who is going to be on Madam Perry Salon. Um, I love you. <laughs> With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.